When I was in the eighth grade, I was the drum major for the middle school band. I heard a couple of people laughing about that one. You picturing this? You should picture it. I, the drum major is the person who goes way out in front of the band and wears that big, tall, fuzzy hat with long boots. You, now people are starting to picture me. Uh, eighth grade Nathan, I was a bean pole. I was six feet tall, about 150 pounds. And I held that pole that's called a mace at a whistle in my mouth. And I led the middle school marching band for the four-mile route of the Tulip Time Parade in Holland, Michigan. Yes, can you picture that? I'll tell you what I loved about that job. It wasn't so much, you know, being out in front and being in charge. That's not what I loved the most about being the drum major. No, what I loved was the order of it all. I got to look at this band and all of their uniformity and all of their conformity, everybody marching to the tune of the same drums, hopefully following the same song sheet, wearing the same things, marching eight people wide each row, marching down the street, you know, because middle school can be a pretty chaotic time. And for those four miles during the Tulip Time Parade, there was order among middle schoolers. I loved that. Why am I telling you about this? We're going to ask God a question this morning through his scripture. The question is this, what is it that makes us Christians. Because there's been a tendency over the years to think of Christianity a little bit like a marching band. If we all can just follow the same set of rules, if we can all have uniformity and conformity, that's what makes us Christians. Insofar as we can follow that same set of rules, we will belong to the church. But actually, that is not what makes us Christians not being able to follow the same set of rules, like a marching band. No, it's something else. Let's ask God through his scriptures what that something else is. What is it that makes us Christians? The context for today's scripture is that the church was growing. This was just a few years after Jesus had died on the cross and risen again and ascended back to the Father. And in Jerusalem, there were a lot of people who were converting to Christ. They were believers in Jesus. And the church in Jerusalem was a lot of Jewish converts. These were people who had grown up in the Jewish tradition anticipating the Messiah, and they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, the people in Jerusalem for whom this was true, they all kind of looked and talked and acted in a similar way. That's because they were all following the law of Moses. But what had started happening was that Gentiles, non-Jewish people, were also beginning to believe in Jesus, and they were joining the church. And this caused a conversation. This caused a bit of a debate. Let's pick up the story in verse 4. You should have it on page 7 of your handout. Let's find out what happened as we ask God this question. What exactly is it that makes us Christians? Verse 4. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. 
See, what's happening here is everybody who was in this church in Jerusalem, they all looked a little bit like a marching band. Everybody dressed the same way. They talked in similar ways. They followed the same set of rules, the law of Moses. If you've traveled to Israel even now, you can think in your mind's eye what Orthodox Jews look like. They look different than the rest of society. They dress differently. They make different choices. You can tell who they are. This would have been true of this early church. They would have looked and talked and sounded and acted the same way because they all followed the law of Moses as best they could. But now these Gentile believers who didn't dress or talk or act that way, they had started believing in Jesus too, and they start entering into the church. And can you picture this now? Picture some of these these law followers who look and act and dress a certain way, believing that Jesus was the Messiah, you can kind of picture them off in the corner, can't you? Seeing these Gentile believers coming into the church, whispering to each other, see those guys? They don't, they don't follow God's perfect law like we do. I'll bet they're not even circumcised. Now, if you're new to the church and you don't know what I'm talking about with circumcision, um, I don't know, ask your neighbor? No, don't. I think everybody probably knows what this is. This was a tall order to ask these new Christians, right? Hey, if you're going to belong to the church of Jesus Christ, adult men, you have to get circumcised and follow the whole law of Moses. This prompted a bit of a conversation, as you might imagine. Verse 6, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Yeah, I'll bet they were. <laughs> What are we going to do about this? What is it actually that makes us Christians? Is it that we all follow the same set of rules, even the rules in the Torah, the law of Moses? Because if that's what makes us Christians, then some people are going to have to get on board and start looking like they belong in the right marching band. But it's not that. It's something else. Let's pick up the story in verse 7. And after there had been much debate... That's one of those phrases in scripture where you realize it's pointing to a lot, lot more to the story. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. This begins to answer the question for us. What is it that makes us Christians if it's not all following the same set of marching orders? What is it? It's, did you hear what Peter said? Those who hear and believe the gospel. When that happens, when you hear the gospel and believe it, the Holy Spirit is given to you. And guess what? You're in. You're a Christian. If you hear and believe the gospel. Peter continues. God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Verse 9. And he made no distinction between us and them. Having cleansed their hearts by faith. There's a lot in that phrase as well. God makes no distinction between us and them. People coming into the church who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, who don't behave like us, if they have heard and believed the gospel, God makes no distinction between us and them. But as long as we keep trying to follow the same set of rules 
the same set of marching orders, thinking that that's what makes us Christians, that's called legalism, by the way, then there will always be an us versus them. There will always be an in-club and an out-club. And what's really happening underneath this is a psychological reality that all of us really just want to be accepted. We just want to be accepted. Tell me what the rules of behavior should be so that I can be in the band. And that's why we set up these legalistic structures. But what it creates, unfortunately, is division in the body because there's us and there's them. But if it's based on who hears and believes the gospel, God makes no distinction. The us and the them goes away. We are united in the gospel. Some years ago, there was a young woman living in the Midwest. Christian home, Christian school, Christian town. And the family that she grew up in, they went to church every Sunday in the morning and the evening. They went to church every Wednesday. The girls in her school all looked and dressed the same way. There was an unwritten set of rules. You wear your hair a certain way, you dress a certain way, you talk a certain way. And that set of rules was known throughout the town. And after a while, she was growing weary of all of it. She couldn't keep up with all the rules she was supposed to keep up with. It was too strong a burden for her to bear. So she decided to run as far away from that legalistic, religious setting that she could think of. She did, she moved to where a lot of people in that situation move. She moved to Brooklyn to run away from all that religion with all those cool people, those hip people in Brooklyn. So there she found herself in Brooklyn, far away from religion and this set of rules that she's supposed to follow. And she found herself in a group of friends in Brooklyn. And she mentioned to one of them one time that she was going to go to the grocery store. And her friend said, oh, we go to the farmer's market to get organic. We don't go to the grocery store. She said, oh, is this a rule I didn't know about here? So she decided to meet her friends up at the farmer's market that next Saturday morning, and she was on her way to the farmer's market, and she stopped off for a cup of coffee, a cup of iced coffee, and she met up with her friends at the farmer's market, and one of her friends said, oh, she looked at the coffee, and she said, oh, single-use plastic. <laughs> and this young woman thought, ooh, there's another rule I didn't know about, and later that very same day, she stopped and got a, an ice cream cone, just trying to enjoy her day, and... Another friend from the group said, is there cow's milk in that ice cream? We're vegan. And she realized she had left one religion. She had left one legalistic structure. She had left one set of rules that it was too hard to keep up with in following. And she had found herself in just another setting with another set of rules, another religion, so to speak. And it was too great a burden for her to bear. Well, then she moved to Greenwich. When being a Christian, when belonging, when being accepted into the marching band, into the club, depends on us following the set of rules good enough, it creates division and it creates despair. This is what Peter says in verse 10. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. 
following all the rules, dressing the right way. It's too great a burden to bear. It's actually not what makes us Christians anyway. It's too great a burden to bear. There's something else. There's something else that unites us. There's something else that gives us rest and hope and comfort. What is it? Verse 11, he continues. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Grace. Grace. It's what was missing in that young woman's household in the Midwest. It's what was missing in her group of friends in Brooklyn. It's what's missing in a lot of Christian community because we think we just want to belong. We want to be accepted. Just tell me the right set of rules so I can follow them, so I can belong to the club. But God says it's not about following the rules. That's not what makes you a Christian. It's not what makes you belong to my family. No, it's my grace. It's my grace for you. There's no set of rules you can follow well enough. Just receive my grace. And you're in. You belong. Look at the language then that that is used in verse 14. The picture that's painted for us now is this group, this family that we now belong to. If we hear and believe the gospel, if we receive the Holy Spirit, if we receive his grace as a free gift, not earned by following the rules, we begin belonging to this, what God calls a people. We begin belonging to a remnant. Look with me in verse 14. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people. For his name. See, what's happening here is God, when his gospel is communicated throughout the world, when his grace is distributed throughout the world, people will respond to it, people will hear it, and what God is doing with that movement of his gospel is he is collecting for himself, he's collecting for his name, a people. This is better than a legalistic tribe. This is better than a club. This is better than a marching band. This is a people. This is a family that God is collecting for his name. And then in verse 16, he uses another word. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old, the remnant, the people. All of us have this deep longing to want to belong. We want to know the set of rules to follow so that we can be accepted into the club, into the marching band, into the tribe. But God says, I have something so much better for you. You are accepted by my grace. And you belong to me. You are my people. You are my remnant. And I will collect for myself a people, a remnant taken from all the nations, tribes, and tongues from around the world. And that's what we belong to here. I've noticed over the last few years, there's people who more than ever want their church to belong to their club, to their tribe, to their division to their worldly allegiances, but that's not what this is. Sorry. We are a people being collected for his name. We are a remnant drawn from all the nations, tribes, and tongues of the world. Those who hear and believe the gospel belong. You belong. And even today, 
God is collecting for himself a people. I've been using this phrase, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, those who hear it and those who believe it. Let me just try to state what the gospel is. In case there's anybody who hasn't heard it before, in case there's anybody who's missing it, here's what it is. There's no set of rules you can follow well enough to make you accepted to God. Not even the perfect law of God, the perfect law of his word. You cannot, it's too great a burden to bear. But there is someone who has followed God's perfect law perfectly. That person's name is Jesus Christ. What is the perfect law of God? The perfect law of God is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. None of us has done that perfectly, or ever will. But Jesus has done that perfectly. He has loved the Father perfectly by surrendering his will to the Father's. He was obedient even unto death. He loved God perfectly and purely and completely. He fulfilled that part of the law in a way that none of us ever can. And he has fulfilled the second part of the law, to love your neighbor as yourself, because when he went to the cross, he was loving his neighbors even more than he was loving his own life. He was loving us. We are his neighbors. He perfectly completed and fulfilled the second part of the law. The first part, to love God fully. The second part, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus only has done that perfectly. He has followed the rule to the T, to the complete, to the fulfillment. And he's done that for us. He's done something for us we cannot do for ourselves. And when you look at the cross and you say, he did that for me, then you are believing the gospel. You're hearing it and you're believing it. And that's what makes us Christians. And even today, that message is being communicated all around the world. People are hearing it and people are believing it. And in that act, God is collecting for himself a people, a remnant. It's happening today in the Midwest and in Brooklyn, in Greenwich and San Francisco, in Australia and Alaska, in East Asia and Western Europe, rich people, poor people, Black people, white people, Asian people, Latino people, men, women, all around the world, people are hearing and believing the gospel that there's no rule we can follow well enough, but that it's been fulfilled for us on our behalf, on the cross, in Jesus Christ. And we belong to this remnant now that God is collecting for himself a people that we might belong. It's way better than a tribe. It's way better than a division. It's way better than a club, it's way better than a marching band. It's a people that he's collecting for his name that we might worship him and lift his name and go and tell others, there's good news. You've been accepted. You belong. Amen.